Hello and welcome to the Professional Horror Podcast, the only podcast that takes a whole year off and feels really bad about it. I am your host, Chris Donovan. As I alluded to in the beginning, I would like to apologize for the fact this is the literally the first professional horror podcast episode I have recorded in a year. Over a year, technically. Uh, some of that has come down to my own laziness. Other parts of that has to do with difficulty scheduling people for episodes. And then we also have extenuating circumstances that have caused me to not be able to record that are beyond anyone's you know control things happen it's been a weird year <clears throat> lots of you can even hear a little bit of a one of those circumstances i am my throat is not feeling the best right now but it's been far too long so i don't care at this point just so you know this is not just a one-off and then i'll see you guys next year i have a couple episodes lined up to record with some people we've already heard come on the show before and some new people we're gonna have episodes on dr sleep house on haunted hill the tv series and green room amongst others i have planned and then i'm sure in the months following there'll be even more i have a couple movies kicking around to have sean hogan back on the show for a it's good to be bad movie i haven't had one of those in a while Looking forward to that. And I also have another solo episode that I'm going to be doing very soon. It's going to be the top 20 horror movies of the decade of the 2010s. But before we get into all that, I'm going to talk about my top 10 horror movies of this year. A little bit behind the eight ball, but I needed the extra couple weeks to watch some movies that I missed. I fell way behind on watching movies as I fall behind on most anything. And I watched probably like 35 horror movies in the past month and a half that came out in 2019. And it's been a long, strenuous effort to get to this point but with that all taken care of all of the caveats and plans for the future thank you guys again for sticking out with me while life happened it's been a long stressful time but we're looking to get back into the swing of things with more episodes coming up soon and more uh, reviews of horror movies more fun stuff it's gonna have some fun games fun top tens fun guests it's all gonna be Schwiggity in this place. So let's start off top 10 horror movies of 2019 with my number 10 pick. You guys remember the last episode I did, the last podcast episode I did, which was the top 10 horror movies of 2018. I started off with a sci-fi original goofy movie called Killer High about a killer warthog costume gone awry. So I guess I'm just gonna have to start every list with this with a ridiculous movie because my number 10 this year is The Velocipaster. It is a movie made on a budget of $35,000 about a guy, a preacher who after losing his family goes to China to, you know, sort of find himself and ends up getting cursed with the ability to turn into a velociraptor and he uses that power to fight bad guys and ninjas. It is currently has a 5.6 out of 10 rating on IMDb, a 70% approval on Rotten Tomatoes, directed by Brendan Steer and starring Greg Cohan and Alyssa Kopinski. And this movie is just a whole barrel of fun. It is, if you if you go into this movie expecting the next, you know, Citizen Kane or something, you're going to be sorely disappointed. But if you're just looking for a guy in a terrible rubber dinosaur suit to attack ninjas, it's going to be the most fun you're going to have in a very long time. <clears throat> so yeah, the Velocipaster, like I said, it's not, it's 70 minutes long. It's really cheap, fun indie film. It's not going to blow you away with its, you know, subversive story or, you know, whatever, or it's, it's not those quote-unquote elevated horror movies, which I hate that term with a passion, but it's a hell of a fun movie, and it is currently available on Amazon Prime to watch for free, and also you can rent it on your various VOD delivery systems, and also find it on Blu-ray and DVD on Amazon as well. So check out The Velocipaster, great time. My number nine pick is a tie, because I could not choose between the two, and you cannot force me to choose between the two. It's my show, it's my rules, and I'm choosing to tie and have both of them. So technically this is 11 movies in my top 10. Deal with it. The number nine picks are The Night Sitter and Satanic Panic. 
Not to go one by one, the Night Sitter is currently rocking a 4.6 out of 10 on IMDb and a 76% on Rotten Tomatoes, directed by Abel Brunn and John Rocco, starring Elise Dufour and Jack Champion. And it is about a babysitter who goes to a weird occult guy's house to sit to babysit his kid and <clears throat> in the process of her and her friends trying to rob the place while he's out they awake three witches to they're here to wreak havoc and you know t- try and take the kid and she goes into a defense mode to try and save the kid i thought this movie was a lot of fun i loved elise dufour as amber i thought she was absolutely just amazing what really got me on this movie is it just looks so good there's a lot of exaggerated neon lights going on there's a lot of reds a lot of greens. it's very um it's inspired by like dario argento those his movies because even the witches are called the three mothers which is a reference directly to his work the movie again it's it's similar to the Velocipaster, but not quite as much it's not a movie that's going to win all the awards it's not you know it's a very simple straight line just kind of horror comedy that you can put on and have a lot of fun and i did have a lot of fun i really you don't have to do much to win me over i try and meet a movie halfway as i have often said when i walk into a movie i you know i care about the characters i want them to get what they want and this movie gives you enough to really hook you it's a lot of fun and like i said elise dufour is amber she just stole the show i thought she was amazing my one complaint if i will say about the night sitter is because a similar presence i mean um, premise to the movie uh, Don't Breathe except it's a supernatural sort of vibe to it but we definitely get a sense of why the people that don't breathe are trying to rob that guy and it's in a way to sort of endear us to them saying oh they're doing this for you know my sister we need to get out of town because of this that and the other we never find out what Amber wanted the uh, money for and I thought especially how her interactions with Jack Champion's character uh, Kevin would have made for a very natural place for that kind of conversation to happen because I, what I love about her character is she does not talk down to Jack Champion's character as a kid. She just tells it how it is and that really endears her not only to the kid, to Kevin, but also to the audience because she's, you know, she's not trying to say, oh, just go to sleep. These kids, these people are just my friends. She's literally just spells it out like, here, we're here to take money because we need it for various reasons. And for various other reasons she doesn't just talk down to him and i thought that was really good but i did want that little extra sort of interior look into her life sort of flesh her out more as a character because i was really digging her character i wanted to know more <clears throat> but the night sitter is one of my two number nine picks the other one is satanic panic um, which has a 5.5 out of 10 rating on imdb a 61 percent approval on ron Beatos and 51 percent approval on metacritic and that is directed by chelsea stardust and stars Haley griffith and rebecca romaine and was also written by one of my favorite horror novelists grady hendrix he's written the fiction books horror store my best friend's exorcism we sold our souls and also the incredible non-fiction book a paperbacks from hell I think he is just, his writing is just wonderful to me. It's exactly my style, exactly my speed. And this movie is no exception as far as the writing style goes. Again, these are not like ultra serious, like award contending movies because they're just, they're not trying to be that. They're trying to be a fun hour and a half where you just kind of put it on, you're like, hey, this is good. I enjoy this. Satanic Panic was also my most anticipated movie of the year by far because I was so excited. I almost got to see it. I went, I almost went to the Overlook Film Festival where it was playing. And they're also doing another Grady Hendrix show. And I was at, there was another festival nearby. And it finally, finally, finally came out on VOD sometime in September. And I watched The Night Sitter and Satanic Panic on like the same day. The last day I was watching movies for this year. Because I wanted to give them, 
I literally wanted to give them the best chance they could to make the list because I just wanted to love them so much based on the trailer and all the stuff I knew of beforehand. And I did. I thought they were both really fun movies. That's why they tied for number nine. Hey, everybody. This is Chris Donovan from the future. While I was editing this podcast episode, I realized that I went through the entirety of my entry of Satanic Panic at number nine without, you know, talking about what the movie was about. I just said who was in it, who made it, and that I liked it. And... That was dumb of me. So here I am, re-recording some stuff so I can tell you what the movie is actually about. Haley Griffith plays Sam, a pizza girl who is struggling for tips, and when they get a call outside of their district to a super-duper rich neighborhood, she takes the call, thinking she can get a good tip, and when they stiff her on the tip, she sneaks into the house, only to discover that there is a satanic ritual sacrifice going on, and they just lost out on their virgin sacrifice, but as luck would have it, Sam is a virgin, so she is now on the chopping block. Rebecca Romaine plays Danica, who is the leader of the satanic cult, and her and her cult will stop at nothing to sacrifice Sam to bring Baphomet into the world to bring them wealth and all that good stuff. All that good satanic stuff. But I thought Haley Griffith was really fun and enjoyable as the main character. I also really loved Ruby Modine as Judy, Rebecca Romaine's daughter, who smartly lost her virginity the day before the ritual. That's a heads up play. But her interactions with Sam were just hilarious and amazing. Rebecca remained. The whole interaction with the cult were fun. Sam and Judy made a great team. There's lots of practical monster effects and practical gore effects. It's a lot of fun, and I hope I've sold it to you because, you know, more people should see it. I really enjoyed it, and that's why it is number nine on this list. Now back to your regularly scheduled Chris Donovan. Number eight is Braid. Braid has an 86% approval on Rotten Tomatoes, a 5.3 out of 10 rating on IMDb, and a 60% approval on Metacritic. It is directed by Mitzi Perrion and stars Madeline Brewer, Sarah Hay, and Imogen Waterhouse. I don't know how to pronounce her name. I'm sorry. Braid was a movie that was a fun story. I remember seeing the trailer and thinking it was such an interesting concept. It is about these two women who needed money because they got busted with drugs and their plan is to go to their rich eccentric friends childhood friend's house to rob her but because of how cuckoo bananas their friend is they would have to play this childhood game with her as long as they could before they could end up getting the money from her so they had to play along as acting like children basically with their friend until they could find out how to get the money from her and i remember that concept because it stuck with me so thoroughly and then i didn't remember the name of the movie and i went on a three-hour google search trying to find this movie again after i lost it and i'm glad i found it again because it was a lot of fun again it was a very interesting visual color palette the performances were incredible madeline brewer who was also in cam which was one of my honorable mentions from last year was absolutely fantastic in this movie as the friend who was still stuck in her childhood there was one scene out of that which just seemed like it was ripped out of like a 1940s film noir where she's talking to the detective and she was just so engaging in the whole movie and i usually don't go for the uh more trippy acid trippy type of movies there was a couple movies that came out this year like climax and bliss that came out and did nothing for me because it's i don't typically like that sort of trippy sensation in a movie where it's like oh there's virtually no plot and who knows if any of it was real i usually don't go for that but for some reason braid just kind of hooked me because it had enough of a through line plot where i was so and i was so engaged with the characters where i was just in it from beginning to end i thought it was really well done i would have liked a little bit more coherent plot it did get a little too trippy for me at points but you know it's a step outside of my comfort zone but i still enjoyed it 
for what it was. And that's why it is number eight on my top 10 list. Number seven is I'll Take Your Dead, directed by Chad Archibald and starring Aiden Devine and Ava Preston. I'll Take Your Dead has a 5.8 out of 10 rating on IMDb and a 69% approval on Rotten Tomatoes. And I'll Take Your Dead... <clears throat> I'm going to edit out most of my coughing, guys, but if you could hear my voice, you know, it's not great, but we're going to make it through it together. So I'll Take Your Dead is about Aiden Devine's character, William, is has found himself in a career where he is a body disposer for various mob dealings. He lives out in the countryside in a farm, but because of a series of events, he has found himself as the go-to body disposal guy. They bring him bodies, he, like, melts them down into goo and disposes them, and he gets paid money for it. One day, these three gangsters show up with three dead bodies and give him money and say, okay, get rid of them now, goodbye. Problem is, only two of them are actually dead, and he does not know what to do with that third person because if he lets the third person go and says hey go off to town then they're gonna find out that he let them go and that one of the people they wanted dead is no longer dead and they're gonna come after him and his daughter played by Ava Preston so it sets up a very interesting dynamic in the film the third character being uh Jess Salguero that's I'm sorry pronouncing that wrong who plays Jackie and the three of them have an incredible dynamic because Ava Preston's Gloria she has a very uh she's a the little girl in the movie and she has a very interesting she's a very precocious she's very she's sheltered but also curious and also one of her only experiences with the outside world is people who come to bring her father dead people to melt she's not going to be the most well-adjusted person in the world and I thought she played that so well and she's she even sees some of the people who her father has taken in to dispose of she sees them as ghosts throughout the house and it's such a it was just really good to see these three characters interacting with each other and her sort of back and forth with how Jackie's trying to manipulate Gloria so she can get out how Gloria is trying to deal with growing up and her growing up problems with Gloria and how William he's doing this for altruistic reasons he wants to save enough money so that he can take his daughter out and escape the body disposal business so not only was there a great human drama there's also great human stakes when she starts getting closer to escaping and contacting the people and then being found out to still be alive but there's also some great supernatural thrills in there too with the uh, ghosts of the people he has disposed before showing up and it was just it was speaking my love language it's exactly what i want if the movie had had no supernatural elements it still would have been good, but it might not have made my top 10 just because, you know, I love supernatural stuff. It's what I want in my horror movies. I want to see some supernatural ghosts and zombies and monsters and whatever. I'm all about it. And this movie had that and had great human drama as well, while still being pretty grounded in reality. And so that's why it is number seven on the list. Check it out. Oh, I haven't been doing this for the past few things. Uh, Night Sitter, Satanic Panic, Braid, and I'll Take Your Dead are all available on VOD. Check them out on Amazon, iTunes, the whole nine yards. Number six is a bit of a stretch as far as horror, but just like last year's list where I, you know, doubling up with the sci-fi original to Velocipaster, I'm also having my one vaguely not horror movie and more genre movie, and that is the first movie I saw of 2019, which is The Standoff at Sparrow Creek. The Standoff at Sparrow Creek is directed by Henry Durham and stars James Badge Dale and Brian Garrity. It has a 6.2 out of 10 rating on IMDb, a 70% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and was given a 3.5 out of 4 star rating on RogerEbert.com. So The Standoff at Sparrow Creek is not a horror movie per se. It is much more of a film noir, but it's a very dark, interesting film. It is about... A militia who, after hearing that a mass shooting has begun, has happened at a police funeral, 
the, the various members of the militia go to their base just to make sure it wasn't any of them who committed the shooting. And they all say, no, it wasn't me. I was here. I was here. I have an alibi, yada, 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 yada. They go and check the gun storage room and one of their guns is missing which means one of them committed the shooting and one of them is lying and they have to figure out which one and it was fascinating it was so cool it was like this high stakes action noir movie the main character Gannon played by James Badge Dale is kind of like the ringleader of the crew and he's the one who does most of the questioning of the others to see whose story has holes in it who's lying who's this that and I thought he was amazing he played he was an ex- cop who's sort of like um, disenfranchised with the way it was going and so he joined this militia and the various twists and turns of the film were all fascinating culminated with an ending which i'm i was not going to spoil but it kind of th- it threw me for a loop i thought it was so well done and well executed and makes perfect sense when you go back and review it in hindsight a lot of times endings that are kind of mind-blowing endings like that kind of mess with the things you're supposed to previously have taken as fact and it kind of throws all that out the window that wasn't the case in this one it was very well done so that's my number six movie of the year number five is the lighthouse directed by robert eggers starring robert pattinson and willem dafoe the lighthouse has a 92 percent approval on rotten tomatoes a 7.8 out of 10 on imdb and 83 percent approval on metacritic out of all the movies on this list so far, I'm sure this is the one that most of you guys are going to be able to instantly recognize. It's on every uh, it's on every white guy's top five horror movies of the year list. <laughs> and I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be cliche, but man, is it good. I almost didn't see this movie. It was only in theaters for like in October, and it kind of looked a little funky, and it didn't look like it was going to be that really, really that enjoyable to me. Because even though I enjoyed The Witch, you know, a lot of those other movies in that sort of scope i didn't care for so i was like you know maybe i'm just gonna skip it this year and then i'll see it at some point make my opinion then and then one day i was checking one of the red boxes near my house and it was there and i said you know what fine we'll, we'll watch it we're trying to finish up my list i'm trying to finish up the movies on my to watch list so i can make this list let's do it let's give it a shot and i thought it was amazing <laughs> it was so fun uh willem dafoe and Ron, robert pattinson were both fantastic they're just two guys in a lighthouse willem dafoe plays the old sea dog veteran who's you know he's been there for like 20 years robert pattinson's the new baby face kind of not baby face, he has a funky mustache but you know what i mean he's the he's the fresh blood there and the whole story's about their dynamic and some various outside forces but mostly it's just them kind of going insane together it's it's the way i would potentially describe it it's kind of like the shining but they're both jack torrance to a certain extent not quite that but you know i'm trying to make a point here but i thought it was just so fun there the dialogue between the two of them the interactions they have are so fun willem dafoe is amazing um, robert pattinson's no slouch either there are some supernatural elements as well there was some mermaid stuff which i was super super into and yeah it's it's the one movie so far i've talked about where you know if you're listening to this you've probably heard of the lighthouse you probably know what people are talking about it and it's not unjustified it's very a very good movie i can't wait for robert eggers's next film and i know he's supposed to be helming a remake of nosferatu and i hope he brings back willem dafoe to play count orlock like he did in shadow of the vampire because that movie rocks and i will be there for it so the lighthouse number five on my list so number four number four on my list oh the lighthouse is available the lighthouse and santa it's Barry creek are both available on vod wherever vod's are found amazon itunes a lot my number four film is one cut of the dead now apologies i'm not going to pronounce these names right and i'm going to try my damnedest directed by shinichiro iedi and starring takayugi hamatsu and mao a thousand apologies for that butchering of those names but one kind of the dead has a hundred percent approval on rotten tomatoes and a 7.7 out of 10 on imdb and it is about a 
film crew filming a zombie movie when zombies wander onto the film set and the director keeps rolling and says hey you know what this works even better this gives us even more realism let's just work with it and continues to film despite the zombies actually coming for his cast and crew it's a it's a situation you've probably heard before even just the movie i just mentioned one it um Shadow of the Vampire is a movie about a director casting a real vampire in his vampire movie. But this movie has a turn. I don't want to spoil it because I do... It was not spoiled for me and I do not want to spoil it for you. But about 35 minutes into the movie, the movie takes a turn. And it brings it to from what I thought was a pretty fun, entertaining zombie thing. I'm not the biggest zombie person, personally. I'm more werewolves than vampires, probably, as far as your classic cast of characters of uh, monsters. But I thought One Cut of the Dead was a very fun zombie thing for what it was, and then it kind of turned, and it became so good. John from Nightmare on Film Street actually said her best. It's, it's a movie It's about filmmaking, and as someone who wants to you know, write and make films, it did sort of hit me. There's this emotional level to it. There's a creative level to it. There, It's just, it's deeper than it would appear on the surface. So I don't want to spoil too much for me. It never gets, like, too heavy and serious. It still stays relatively light throughout, but it's a lot of fun. And I would definitely recommend you go check out One Cut of the Dead. It is currently available on Shudder. My number three horror movie of the year is Doctor Sleep, directed by Mike Flanagan and starring Ewan McGregor and Rebecca Ferguson. Doctor Sleep has a 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb, 77% approval on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 59% approval on Metacritic. Doctor Sleep, for those few people who don't know somehow, is based on the Stephen King novel as a sequel to The Shining, another Stephen King novel, and a sequel to the Stanley Kubrick Shining film that takes place like 40 years later with Danny Torrance, the little kid from The Shining who is now growing up to be an alcoholic of his own and how he struggles to the road to recovery and also to help others who have the shine from Rebecca Ferguson's characters, the you know, Rose the Hat and the True Knot who feed off people with The Shine. First off, I would join Rebecca Ferguson's cult if she was amazing in this movie. If she came up to me saying, hey, you want to join me? I'd be like, yes, absolutely. I don't care what we're doing. I'll join you. You're, you're the best. Ewan McGregor was also fantastic in this movie. And man, I just love Mike Flanagan's work. I think he's absolutely incredible. What I loved about this movie, too, was I have read Dr. Sleep. I read Dr. Sleep a few years ago. The first, like, 500 or so pages are fantastic. And then the next sort of 100 pages while the plot wraps up is not great. And then it gets kind of good at the end when it gets back to the personal connection with Danny Torrance. This movie takes that one part the uh, climax of the movie that I thought of the book which I thought was kind of weak and little stakes to it and replaces that with a third act that takes place in the Overlook Hotel from The Shining and turns that negative into a strength which is no easy feat to do it was incredibly well done by Mike Flanagan and crew the whole nine yards there's one scene not gonna spoil in The Shining you know, in the Overlook Hotel that just oh my god blew my mind away it was so good the music is incredible the performances are incredible that there's this one scene where the true is attacking a young baseball player boy with the shine and it's absolutely gut-wrenchingly horrifying the second i saw it i knew it was gonna be one of the, my top three movies of the year i'm so thrilled to have gotten to see it it's also one of the movies that i have pegged for future episode i'm gonna be hopefully recording it soon i was gonna record an episode way back in november after it came out but now that the dvd blu-ray release is just around the corner in a couple of weeks with a 
extended director's cut version of the film. I'm going to wait to watch the director's cut version and then record the episode with a friend of mine who you guys have already met. So there's a fun little teaser for you. I hope you guys are excited because we're going to be digging in deep to Dr. Sleep when the time comes. But for now, just know that I love this movie and that's why it is number three on my list horror movies of 2019 number two is another movie once i saw it i knew it was gonna be one of my top two movies of the year and that is ready or not ready or not is directed by radio silence which is a group of people uh matt bentinelli open and tyler gallette and it is starring samara weaving and adam brody ready or not is a 6.9 out of 10 on imdb an 88 percent approval on rotten tomatoes and a 64 percent approval on metacritic Ready or Not was just so unbelievably fun. Samara Weaving was an absolute star in this. She was incredible. And the movie is just so funny from start to finish. The music's incredible. Adam Brody's character, I thought, was was so fun. It was so interesting because he was just, like, getting progressively more drunk as the evening goes on. I haven't even talked about the plot. What am I doing, Chris? There's a structure to this. Ready or Not is a movie about the, this eccentric family who live in this big, fancy mansion. They are a board game dynasty, essentially. It's like, I don't know, if one person invented Monopoly, Sorry, and the Ouija board, they, this would be the family. And one character is getting married, and according to tradition in that family, whenever you're married, you have to play a game at midnight after the ceremony. And typically, if you draw, say, checkers, you just play a game of checkers, and that's it, you're in the family. But if you draw hide and seek, then it begins a deadly game where they have until sunrise to murder you, to satiate their evil satanic gods, and blah blah blah, you know, that that old chestnut. Samara Weaving is just amazing in every scene. It's just, this movie never stops being funny. You, a lot of times movies will shirk comedy when it's time to get serious and say, okay, no, this is, this is when the horror sets in, and it almost never stops being funny. There are scenes where <laughs> they're given these old antique weapons and one of the characters goes in the bathroom and watches a youtube tutorial on how to use a crossbow or there'll be a really serious moment where the parents are like we gotta find this girl we gotta find her where is she and she'll just walk out of the room and and adam will be like found her it's just too funny i wasn't a big fan of samara weaving's husband's character kind of does that little he has a sort of not very well planned heel turn if you will but i did think adam brody's character was so good because he was the one character seemingly who was like so over this whole family ritual and just it it has clearly affected him at a much deeper painful level than everyone else in his family and he's the only one showing that kind of emotion those two were the absolute stars of the show as far as i'm concerned and this is a movie you just watch it and it's just going to be one of the most fun times you're going to have it's an hour 35 minutes and it's funny and entertaining the whole way through and that's why ready or not is my number two movie of the year before i reveal my number one of the year i should probably honorable mentions are a thing that happened what i'm going to do instead of the typical honorable mentions because i usually name like 12 honorable mentions i'm going to name every movie that I saw all 56 movies very quickly, and then tell you the ones that I really was into, right? So, Us. Once Us, once it explained where the, you know, why the horror was happening, Us completely lost me. So Us is not on the list. So I'm, I'm going to start with the movies that I watched this year and didn't love. The Silence. Zombies 2. Annabelle Comes Home. Ma. Body at Brighton Rock. The Prodigy. It Chapter 2. The Curse of La Llorona. Polaroid. Derailed, Brightburn, Midsummer. Midsummer's on most people's lists. It is not on mine. I actually 
hated Midsummer. It was at least an hour too long. I'm going to talk about this at some point, probably. I'm going to have someone try and convince me I'm wrong on this, but it's just both Midsummer and Hereditary just rubbed me the wrong way. I'm just not a fan of Ari Aster's work so thus far. Climax, Them That Follow, The Wind, Lose, The Dead Center, Bliss, In Fabric, Hagazusa, Party Hard, Die Young, and now the movies I saw this year that I... That's not to say that those movies... I hated, except for a couple that I was not fond of at all, such as Midsummer and In Fabric and Hagazusa. They were just not my. They were not my. They're not my vibe. Does not say they're bad movies. They're just not my vibe. But these are the movies that, after I watched, I thought they could possibly make my top ten of the year. Pet Cemetery, The Perfection, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, Escape Room, Happy Death Day to You. The Banana Splits Movie, The Mermaid, Lake of the Dead, Tigers Are Not Afraid, Haunt, Child's Play, Black Christmas, Book of Monsters, The Furies, The Girl on the Third Floor, Sweetheart, Boar, I Trap the Devil, Nightmare Cinema, The Gallows Act 2, Depraved, Harpoon, Dead Detectives, and Belzebuth. Those movies that I don't love all those movies, but I thought at that point, I was like, you know what? I could see myself praising this movie at the end of the year, saying, you know what? This is one of my, you know, bottom of the top 10 type movies to all the way to the top 10. Like, there were some fantastic movies in that list that did not make the list, like Tigers Are Not Afraid, Haunt was very good. The Child's Play remake I thought was was excellent. Sweetheart and Boar I thought were a lot of fun. Same with Depraved. And Harpoon was a smidge away from making this list. Because Harpoon was as fun as the movie gets. It was so entertaining to me. But I went with my top 10 with my one tie. So in my top 11. So unfortunately it was just eked out. So my number one movie of the year is Crawl. Crawl has a 6.2 out of 10 rating on IMDb, an 83% approval on Rotten Tomatoes, a 60% approval on Metacritic. It was directed by Alexandre Age and starring Kaya Scodelario and Barry Pepper and also Sugar the Dog. Crawl is a very, very simple movie. It appeals to my sci-fi original movie tastes. It is people trapped in a hurricane in Florida and there's alligators out to kill them. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Why this is number one is simply in the execution. This could have very easily been your cheap, you know, sci-fi original movie you watch at Saturday at one o'clock in the afternoon. And you say, that was fun and move on. But I thought it was just done so well. There's just, there's just enough character stuff to get you to care about the characters and then not, you know, bog down the movie in just like intense character drama. When really this movie is about one of the coolest ways we can have alligators attack people. And they did that. The jump scares this movie, even though I'm not a big jump scare person, I thought they were very well done and well executed. The alligators look amazing. There's some incredible visuals of the alligators and the attack scenes are absolutely amazing. The only regret I have about this movie or the only uh, down thing I have to say about this film is if you buy the Blu-ray, as I have, there is an alternate opening to the film, which I'm assuming they did not have the budget because they did not shoot the, the opening. They just did it as a digital comic of sorts with like voiceover work and just images of it. And it was so good. It was so dark and intense. It was just more, you know, gears attacking, but who doesn't want to see more alligator attacking people? I should want to see more of that. If that opening had been added to the film, it would have not only made the top one of this list, it would have made a strong run for the top of the top 20 films of the decade movie that I'm going to be releasing shortly. 
couple weeks or something like that. But even as it is, Crawl was the most fun I've had in movie theater this year. It was exciting. The second I walked out of the theater, I knew it was going to be my number one movie of the year, barring some groundbreaking film that just blew my mind. I ended up going to see it again on my birthday as a treat to myself. I was the only person in the theater on my birthday, and it was a lovely time to be had by me. So Crawl is my number one movie of 2019. So just to recap, my top 10 of the year. Number 10, The Velocipaster. Number 9, The Night Sitter Tied with Satanic Panic. Number 8, Braid. Number 7, I'll Take Your Dead. Number 6, The Standoff at Sparrow Creek. Number 5, The Lighthouse. Number four, One Cut of the Dead. Number three, Doctor Sleep. Number two, Ready or Not. And number one, Crawl. All these movies except Doctor Sleep are currently available. Doctor Sleep will be available in a couple weeks. Check them all out. Watch them. Enjoy them. I hope you love them as much as I do. And once again, sorry this is the first time you're hearing from me in over a year. But we're going to be coming back strong, hopefully, with some episodes in the future. Chris Donovan from the future again, because past chris is a little rusty in the podcasting game it seems and forgot to outro this thing properly so thank you for listening to this episode i hope you enjoyed it i hope you check out these movies because i really enjoyed them and i want to bring my love of these movies to you and hopefully i have done that with my list my reasonings yada 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 if you would like to suggest a movie or just talk to the podcast in general say hey say you know a movie i should check out a movie you thought i should have put on the list and didn't put on the list or what movie i missed email us at professional horror at gmail.com also check me out on instagram at professional horror and don't forget to subscribe and give a five-star review and you know be nice on itunes and stuff like that it makes my day to see a rating or review of the podcast and you know it'd be nice to see some of that stuff again coming soon we're gonna have episodes on dr sleep haunting of hill house the tv show green room amongst other films it's gonna be really exciting and i'm gonna be back in a couple of weeks with the top 20 films of the 2010s so stick around for that hope you guys enjoy it i'll see you next time until next time stay scary but keep it professional